Sylvia Nemeth. I'm a PhD psychologist, master certified coach, and the founder and director of the Academy for Coaching Excellence. This podcast is about you and your relationship with money. Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Maria. This is the Energy of Money podcast, and uh, I'm glad you joined me today. I want to talk with you about a person who just won this $1.337 billion payout in the Mega Millions jackpot. It's amazing, isn't it? Can you, do you know that, I looked it up, do you know that one billion is a thousand million? Wrap your head around that. $1,000 million. That is a lot of dollars, isn't it? It says here that most winners opt for the cash option. You can get it as an annuity over 29 years, which is would still be pretty good at, I don't know, maybe a hundred million, a, uh, no, even 20 million every year. But most winners opt for the cash option, which for Friday's drop was an estimated $780.5 million. And it says here, the odds of winning the jackpot are one in 302.5 million. You know, it says here that the, the winner should consider keeping a low profile and resist going on an eyebrow-raising spending spree that everyone knows the winner cannot afford. And, you know, this is what happens. I've worked with a number of people over the years, as you can imagine, who have won the lottery. Certainly not as big as this one, but they've won the lottery. A few million dollars. I say a few million dollars like it's, oh, nothing, but it's huge. I remember one woman who won, it was $20 million here in California. And, oh, this was, this had to be about 25, 26 years ago. She had a terrible time with this money. Now you might say to yourself, oh, come on, please give me $20 million. And um, I promise I will uh, force myself to have a good time. But this is what she reported to me. And I'm going to keep her name at Marlene just to respect anonymity in case anybody has a sense of who I'm talking about, which you probably won't. But anyway, so Marlene said to me, you know, the worst thing about this, I made the mistake of letting my family and friends know that I'd won. She said, you know, I I know that people say, don't let anyone know that you won until you can kind of wrap your your mind around uh, having so much energy at once, you know, because let's back up for a moment. You know, money is energy, energy, and energy is useful to get things done in physical reality. So if you can imagine this influx of this energy, she said, my family started calling me wanting money, you know, wanted, you know, it first started with cousins. She said, even cousins I hadn't talked to in years all of a sudden are calling me, asking me how I'm doing. And oh, by the way, I hear that you won $20 million. Now, you know, she said, even my friends called me. My best friend didn't bother me, she said. My best friend knew that I was, I was almost uh, in a crisis situation. Because can you imagine from going where maybe you're earning 50, 60, 70, or even even 80,000, let's even say $100,000 a year. And all of a sudden 
you inherit, uh, it was a, I think it was 25 or $26 million payoff. And by the time she paid her taxes and whatever, it was 19 point something million, but it's like 20 million. And she said, it was amazing how my friends started calling me and congratulating me. And, oh, what are you going to do with the money? And, oh, could you loan me a little bit of this? I, I need to, whatever it was. And she said, people were, it's like, she said, it felt like people were crowding in on me. She said, you know, listen, I know that anyone who gets a bunch of money, uh, especially if you're close to them or friends with them, you're going to naturally, you know, maybe want to see if you can borrow some of it. She said, but it was just amazing how many people came. And she said, that was not the worst of it. I started getting calls from financial planners and emails from financial planners. You know what? She it wasn't emails, actually. It was, uh, she couldn't have gotten emails because it was so long ago, but she kept getting pinged in some way. I don't know if she had a pager, but she said, I was just getting all of this influx of calls and people and phone ringing. She said it really, uh, really turned me into a, you know, crisis situation. So much so, she said, that I started drinking again. And she said, Maria, I want to tell you, up until that point, I was an alcoholic with about eight years of sobriety. But, you know, all that stress, all those people calling me, that vodka started looking pretty good. She said, I started drinking. And thank God I had the sense to call my sponsor and talk to her and get right back in the program. She said, but it wasn't after going at least three days on a binge, just drinking and getting scared and feeling sorry for myself and feeling happy and then feeling scared again. Do you know what happened with her was pretty okay. She bought a home in Napa, in the hillside in, in Napa. And she opened up a small business and um, she loved making jewelry. So she opened up a business where she was making jewelry and selling it. Now she said, I really don't need the money now, but it's fun. The next thing she did, which was just marvelous after she got over the drinking and, you know, the crisis, she said, I started looking at what it would be like to start a fund where I could work to be able to donate money to people who need it in a specific way. And for her, it was uh, kids who need scholarship money, money to go to school. So she went to, here in Sacramento, she went to a, a parent agency. It's one of the agencies where you can go and tell them you have a certain amount of money that you want to uh, allocate, and they help you set it up. They help you set up the fund. They help you set up what it's called and who it's aimed at. And even um, they have the people who can interview uh, the kids for the scholarships. She said that was, you know, it was even more meaningful to me than getting that home in Napa. She said, but I'll tell you something. It was difficult with my relationships because it's a hard thing to say no to people you love. But I saw if I didn't say no, I'd get swamped by people who naturally would think that since I'm a good friend of theirs or, or a, a loving family member that I would naturally give them some money, but that wasn't the case for me. And I felt terrible about it. I started feeling so guilty 
Now, why am I telling you this story? Well, we think, oh, and incidentally, she ended up doing pretty well. (laughs) She ended up being able to give money to a fund, start as an entrepreneur, getting a beautiful home in Napa, and investing her money. She said, I got some advice. Uh, Just let the money sit there for at least six months to a year. If you want to take out a little money for yourself, take it out. But for the most part, keep that money someplace where you don't touch it, you know, for a year. And then start making some decisions about where it is you're going to invest the money. And she said to me, you know, I waited about six or eight months and then started the investment thing. And she said, uh, I remember her laughing. She said, at least I had to get sober again to figure out what I wanted to do with the money. Now, hers is a pretty good story. If you were to Google the lives of people after they won the lottery, you would find something very interesting. A number of people, and really Google this and you'll see it, a number of people report that they're in worse shape than they were prior to getting the lottery money. They spent the money unwisely. They invested it unwisely. And uh, you'll see some stories of people who, you know, five years later, their relationships with their families is is in tatters. Uh, They bought cars, houses, all kinds of stuff. And they see that it just doesn't matter to them because it's just stuff. Now, let's step back from this for a moment, because seriously, you, you could go into, you go to Google and Google the lives of people who have inherited uh, vast sums, you know, anywhere from, I would say, three million on up is, is a huge amount. And you'll see what becomes of them. And one of the reasons is, is because of this. Let's say that money is energy. Okay, let's say that you and I, our job in life is to become what I call a conscious conduit of energy. Now, what's a conduit? A conduit is like a hose, like a water hose. Okay, it takes water from one place to another. Right now, being a conscious conduit of energy, we can take the, for example, the energy of money, treating it like water. And we can water the garden of our goals and dreams in life sparingly, but just enough, just enough. But what happens if all of a sudden the pressure on the hose increases dramatically because you've got a lot of energy coming in, you know? So instead of, let's say, taking home $7,000 a month, all of a sudden you've got $7 million and it's this huge amount, and it starts coming at you, what happens, let's say, to a, to a garden hose? Well, one of the first things is that the garden hose uh, springs leaks all over the place. And we see that symbolically in the way people who inherit a lot of money sometimes tend to squander it, leak it all over, buying things. The next thing is that at the hose, sometimes it can burst and 
not be able to channel the energy of money anywhere. That's happened with some people who've uh, won the lottery. Not many, but some. But the point is this. How much energy do you and I need in order to foster our goals and dreams in life? And what would it be like for you if you could buy anything you wanted at any time you wanted it? How long would you be happy? I remember someone saying to me, oh, please, Maria, let me, let, let, let me try that out, okay? You know, $20 million, whatever, let me try that out. But I took him on a thought experiment, and at the end he saw, wait, wait, do I really need that much money? Yes, I'd love it, but do I really need that much money? And he said, it takes the play out of it. You see, you and I have something that you might call the playing field of life. If you could see it in your mind's eye, imagine a line that separates two aspects of life. It's a horizontal line. Below the line, we can call it visionary reality or even metaphysical reality. Metaphysical means that which surrounds reality but is not of reality. So you could say below the line is metaphysical reality. Above the line is physical reality. Hmm? It's the home of people, places, and things. In metaphysical reality, that's the home of our ideas, dream, and vision. Now, imagine you have an idea, like something you would love to do. It might be you just love to learn how to paint. Just say that. And you have to save up the money to get painting lessons, drawing lessons. It costs money to buy the canvas, the colors, etc. And, you know, it's a little stretch for you, but you find the way to do it. And even as you're painting on that canvas, how do you feel about yourself? You know, you're, an, you're achieving a goal. You are actually playing for what it is you truly want. That goes for painting on a canvas. It goes for writing a book, planning a trip. But the most important part about it is this, that when we are earning a certain amount of money, a certain amount of energy, one of the things that the people who are fabulous with money. You know, I'm talking about the Wallace Waddles of the wor world. I don't know if you've ever read The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles. Uh, from time to time, I have a Science of Getting Rich time where I read it and uh, I invite people to listen and they read chapters 4, 7, 11, and 14 for 90 days. But even he talks about becoming conscious about what it is you want. And being able to, in a mindful way, put the energy toward it. But you see, if you're a garden hose and you have a sudden influx of money and you start to leak it all over the place, what is left for your goal? And even more, have you learned a particular skill set in goal attainment?
You see, you and I were designed to take our ideas and dreams and vision from metaphysical reality to physical reality. And along the way, we encounter obstacles, but we begin to see that our obstacles give us incredible opportunities for learning. You know, as Nelson Mandela once said, he said, I don't lose. He said, I never lose. I only win or I learn. Win or learn. But you see, if you have a lot of the energy, especially all of a sudden, what is there for you to learn until, until you can step back enough to see what you want to do with this energy? But meanwhile, so many people report, it's like I went into a crisis mode. And thank God someone stopped me. I remember a woman saying, I'm so thrilled someone stopped me because out of $5 million, I had $100,000 left. And someone stopped me before I was about to throw that away. Buying something. She said, I became so addicted to buying. Well, I would imagine getting back to this person who won over a billion dollars and is coming home with a meager $750 million or so, whatever that is. I am sure that they, at least I hope that they're consulting with someone who is telling them to step back from that money, step back from it for a few months. I mean, if you want to take $100,000 out of it, do that. But with the rest, step back, get some breathing room, start looking and seeing what you might want to do with that money to make a difference. And then you see we become mindful, conscious conduits of energy. And then you see to become mindful and conscious that huge influx of energy never reaches our host because we are channeling it in some mindful directions. Usually, I have to say, donating to the causes that we love and care about. Because how much of the energy of 750 million could you really spend? Come on, how many planes do you want to buy? <laughs> it just becomes this mad going after stuff. So, my friends, oh, and in addition, this goes for people who've inherited vast sums. I've worked with people who have inherited at the last minute millions and millions of dollars and it put them into shock. But I remember one guy, he was conscious enough to step back from that amount of money, not even touch it for about eight months. And then he went back with a financial advisor and started looking at how he was going to channel this money. Because, my dears, money is one of the six forms of energy that you and I have come to work with so that we can take our goals and dreams from metaphysical to physical reality with clarity, focus, ease, and grace, not with the jumble of driven behavior, worry, doubt, and fear. No, 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 to be mindful. So I hope this trip I've taken you on regarding the energy of money might be useful for you. If you want, one of the things you might do is track the money you spend. Do it for a week. 
you know, at the moment you spend the money, write down what it's for and how much it is and uh, start getting a sense of what your hose is doing with this energy. Anyway, please, you can always write to me at marianemoth.com. I'd love to hear from you. And so between now and then, this is Dr. Maria saying, I hope this was useful and see you later. Okay, bye-bye for now. Bye.